God, we just honor you for what you're doing in this place tonight. And we do move in you and we do have our being. And we ask that you bless us, speak afresh, open us to your truth. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be accepted in your sight. You who are our Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I want to go back. We've been talking uh, from the theme, the quiet mind for troubled times. This is the 25th iteration of this idea, the quiet mind for troubled times. And as most of you are well aware, we have been using uh, Psalm 46 and particularly verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And that's an important word there for us to hold on to tonight. Be still and know that I am God. It's important that we recognize the goodness of God and what God is doing in the earth realm. And it's important that we have within us an idea that God gives his beloved peace and sweet relax and repose if there's ever been a time or season that could steal your peace, it's this time right now. There's no doubt in my mind, there's so much going on that takes away from peace. There's so much happening that, that keeps you from feeling God's presence. And so you have to work even harder to get to that place and you've got to spend more time in prayer and more time meditating to, to maintain what you have. And so I wanted, I wanted to say that to you because I don't want you to feel like you're alone if you feel a little more stressed than normal. You know, if you don't feel your normal uh, peace and your normal joy, your normal self, you're a little bit off of your game, I, I don't want you to feel like that's not that's not a reality for other people. Other people are experiencing the same thing. If you're a little curt or short in your comments and questions with people and, and if things set you off that normally wouldn't, again, it's a part of what's going on in the world right now. So recognize that. Don't be too hard on yourself. But when you see it and you recognize it, get back to your meditation, get back to sitting before the Lord, get back to your scriptures and restore it, restore it. Now, part of how we have been dealing with this, and, and again, I say to you that I'm speaking to those spiritually minded tonight. I'm speaking to those who have been uh, shaped by the blood of the Lord, Lamb of God and who understand that the blood of the Lamb of God has caused them to live and prosper in Christ Jesus. I speak to you because I want you to know that there are things that disturb our peace, that God has given us authority and power to overcome. And some of those things are related to our relationships with people in the earth realm. And sometimes people here can you know, they can get on your first, second, third, and last nerve. And you have to find a way to deal with it. Some of us are dealing with old wounds. Some of us are dealing with new wounds. But then we have to find a way, as the scripture teaches us in Colossians chapter 3, you want to find a way, the Message Bible uses this phrase, to be even-tempered. Be even-tempered. My family will tell you it, it is both a positive and a negative because they don't think I get upset enough about certain things. I probably, I stay primarily even tempered. I would probably say I'm in the 90 percentile, not 100 percent because like all people, like things can, can disturb you, but I'm, I try to live even tempered. In the worst situations, I try to view life not only from my perspective, but from the perspective of the other. Whatever that other may be, whoever that other may be, wherever they come from in life, whatever issues they may have, 
Um, they may not be theologically where I am. They may not even believe in Jesus. They may not believe in many of the tenets of the faith that I hold dear and treasure and as a defender of the faith and a bishop in the Lord's church, hold up and laud as what we ought to be. I try to live my life with a, a way of treating people with an unconditional positive regard. Because that's what it means to be even tempered. That's what it means to live a life of compassion, kindness, and humility. Compassion, kindness, and humility. Now, those are not words that we use regularly because some of us don't always function in compassion. Some of us don't always function in humility. Some of us don't always function in kindness. Matter of fact, some of us, we get upset at small things and we get upset at people and some of us even, depending on our station in life, will look down at people or talk about people or think, say things about people that are just totally unnecessary. But it happens as a result of the fact that you don't live a life of humility and kindness. Now, I have been drawing your minds to the fact that God wants us to live in this judgment-free zone. Now that doesn't mean we don't walk in discernment, and I'm gonna talk about that a little later. I'm gonna add some impact things to this dialogue. It doesn't mean we walk in judgment-free zone in, in, in without discernment. It means that I don't have to judge you as though I am God. God will get the final say. I tell people this all the time. There will be people in heaven that I will probably be surprised to see there. And then there will be people in heaven that I'll be shocked that they're not there. God is the final judge. I don't know what other folks' relationship is with God, but God is the final judge. And I need to live my life where, where you know, our pastor scripture, we were looking at Luke chapter 6, and you can just write it down if you don't have it, but Luke 6, 27 through 38, and, and verse 36, he lifts up this. He says, be merciful. And then he tells you, in case you don't understand that, just as your father is also merciful. Be merciful. Be like God, be merciful. Wow. I, I know, you know, the moment you begin to think as a merciful individual, you're going to be better off every day of your life. That means you're gonna give people a break. You People that don't deserve it, you're gonna still be nice to them. People that frown at you, you're still gonna smile. People that don't speak to you, you're still gonna speak because you are gonna walk in the spirit of your heavenly father. And you're gonna walk in the spirit of Abba and you're gonna say, Abba, I belong to you. And when you say, Abba, I belong to you, what you're going to say is, I belong to you so much, I want to be like you. Abba, I belong to you. I want to be like you. I want to live that life where I'm going to, verse 37 says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Hold that because that's the focus tonight. It's on forgiveness. I just hurt somebody's feelings. Yes, it's on forgiveness. Because the reason why we haven't let some things go yet that people have done to us, have said about us, have, have, have pushed on us, the reason why we haven't let it go is because we don't walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Because when you walk in the spirit of forgiveness, you let things go. You turn it over to God. You say, okay, Lord, this is in your hands. And God, I'm going to give, I'm going to live my life and recognizing that I'm, I am forgiven, so I'm going to forgive. Now, know this is going to be a key part of the lesson tonight because when we were talking last week from Matthew chapter 18, I want to just lift up those points just briefly because I want to push into the new material. But, but Matthew 18, 15 through 22. 
Peter, the, the disciples are there, and, and the question is asked, and the issue is raised about someone sinning, and someone who has a fault. And, and he says, look, I need you. When someone hurts you, I need you to not just get over it, but I need you to be responsible enough to go and share that you've been hurt. Especially among believers. Let me just, can I talk believer to believer? Um, I need you to be able to say something. I need you to say that wasn't good for me. The scripture says in verse 15, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Bible. The scripture says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, I, I raise this again. Let's go through those points in, in brief tonight. And the first point that I want to raise again is that it is responsibility or resentment. Responsibility or resentment. You have the responsibility when you've been hurt to go and say something. It's on you, baby. It's on you, brother. It's on you, sister. It's responsibility or resentment. You have the responsibility. You know, the person offended needs to go and tell the offender that didn't work for me, that hurt. And you know, I know some of us, we have been so prone not to confront problems. Let me put both my hands up. We've been so prone not to confront problems that we then find other ways of dealing with it. And the primary way a lot of people who are non-confrontational, who are hurt and who have the spirit of resentment on them, who don't deal with it, the primary way they deal with it is passive aggressive. So they will do things that you will ultimately pick up on, maybe even sometimes days later for some men, that you finally realize, I think something is wrong. You think? They'll, they'll cut off, they'll, they'll stop, they'll quit doing what they normally do. They'll, they will demonstrate a pouty mood or they'll, they'll walk around sulking. Anything that projects I'm offended or hurt other than saying I'm offended, I'm hurt, I'm disappointed by you. It is the responsibility in this case, particularly among believers, hear me closely, for the person offended to go and say something. Now, if you're a believer and you are an offender and you know you created an offense, it's your responsibility, whether they say anything to you or not, to go and try and make it right. If you know you've done something wrong, it's your responsibility to go and make it right. Don't wait for them to come back and say, well, you know you hurt me with that. No, if you know what you did was cold-blooded, you know what you did was wrong, even if it was accidental, it's your responsibility to go and try and straighten that out. You know, and sometimes, you know, I have realized I did something that was out of order or wrong, and I've gone back and apologized, and the other person didn't realize that it had happened or did not, real, did not accept it as an offense. And in which case, I was relieved both ways. I was real relieved that they didn't take it as an offense, and I was relieved they didn't know that it happened. And now I had to explain myself, but it was better to do that than to let that linger in the air. But I can tell you, I'm going to use this analogy, and it's, it's a horrible one, but uh, some people might get it, some might not. I'm a large man, and as a large man, people bump into me all the time. And so I don't usually respond when people bump into me because it just comes with the territory. And to be completely honest, most times I'm bumped into, I don't really feel it the way somebody smaller would feel it. Because you bump me, you bump me, fall off. Which means that there are times that I could possibly bump into someone where I am the initiator, not where they're coming to me and they happen to bump into me or they weren't looking and they bump me, where I'm the initiator, I bump into them and don't recognize I did. And, and if they come back and say, hey, you just hit me, man, I am really sorry. I, I'm, I, didn't, I really didn't mean to do that. 
that was not in my character. I wasn't trying to send any signals, wasn't trying to say anything wrong. But my point I'm making is sins of omission are just as much sinful as a sin of commission. Just because you didn't mean to do it, didn't mean it didn't happen, and it didn't mean it didn't hurt. You have to realize that, and some people try to justify themselves, well, I didn't mean to do it, so you just ought to go on about your business. Well, wait a minute. The fact that you didn't mean to do it is, is okay, and I understand, I, I accept that, but that didn't mean it didn't happen, and that didn't mean it didn't hurt. And we've gotta be wise about this, because some of us create arguments that could be stopped immediately with a simple pause and saying, that, if that happened the way you just said it, I am really apologize, because that's not how I meant it. I, I said something in class last night, I was teaching a course, um, via Zoom, of course, because everything is not, no one's going in person. And I said uh, something in class, and I was, I was trying to make a point, and of course I didn't want to use the word, uh, the word that is negative, the N word that's negative. And so one of the students in my class said, I don't understand what's wrong with that. And I said, uh, what do you mean? She says, what's wrong with N word? Well, when she heard me say N word, she thought I meant inward and and she had not translated and when I explained it to her it was a, almost a big laugh because she she couldn't understand why I was trying to say there was an issue with it and now once she understood so here it is we're over the net we're using the internet we're over zoom each of us had different speakers in our houses and different headphones we're hearing something different Hey, easily resolved. And I'm so glad she said something because if she hadn't asked, I would have thought I had conveyed clearly what I was saying. Many people in the class, large class, a lot of them got it right away. A couple of people had not. I would not have known my sister hadn't caught it. That's what I mean. If you don't understand, you gotta say something. No offense taken. No hurt, no harm. Matter of fact, we gain clarity. And in gaining clarity, we gain a better relationship. And in gaining a better relationship, our friendship, our fellowship increases. You really want to gain the bond of fellowship. You get it when you allow yourself to enter relationship with people that may at one time not necessarily cared for you or not necessarily understood you. I, I said this last week, I wanna say it again. Resentment is not an option for believers. Resentment. Resentment is not an option for believers. It's not an option. You and I have gotta be careful not to hold any grudges not to be mad at folk all our lives. You know, let, let, me, let me just say this. Resentment is a grudge. And, and, and I want to just say it again. I said this last week, and hopefully I won't mess the folks up in the audiovisual room, but I want to just hit a couple things real quick. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. You have to be careful not to allow things that have happened in your past to make you hold grudges. And realize this, grievances unchecked become just that, grudges. When you don't deal with a grievance, when you don't deal with what someone has done to you, it's going to become a grudge. And believe me, you're going to hold resentment. You, you've got to know you can't do it. You've got to be careful. I remind you again, do not hold or harbor grudges. 
Do not hold a harbor. You, you can do better. You can do better. You are better. You are better. You are better. You're going to be okay. God is with you. Now, I'm going to skip the rest of that section and move to the next point because I want to get to the new material and I want to push you a little bit towards this forgiveness angle. But remember, resentment or reconciliation? Resentment or reconciliation? In other words, I'm, I'm telling you, these are kind of the choices you have. You can walk in the spirit of resentment. And some people will say, well, I don't resent nothing. I just put them out of my mind. I don't think about them anymore. Resentment. I don't walk in the spirit of resentment. I just, I don't have nothing to do with them. You know, when I'm through, I'm through, and I'm through with them. Resentment. I don't walk in the spirit of resentment. I, I could care less what they're doing. If they live or die, it wouldn't matter to me. Resentment. See, the moment you think you can compartmentalize and kick people out of your life willy-nilly, you have to realize you're walking in the spirit of resentment and you are holding a grudge that needs to be dealt with. You and I, I point it out again, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 16 says to them that they were to go take, take with you one or more, uh, two people, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you went alone, now you bring someone else with you because you're, you want to make this work. You want to make this work. You want to get things squared away. That's your heart's desire. You want to get things right. Every believer ought to want to have reconciliation as your primary goal. Every believer, reconciliation. The third thing I left last week with you last week, it is reconciliation or reproach. Reconciliation or reproach. And I said reproach, that is the, the removal of someone from your experiences in life is the last resort. It's the last resort. That's it. That's the last thing. And that's after you have done all you could to make the thing work. After you've done everything within your power to make the situation better, that's when you go in there and you say, okay, it's not going to work out, so I'm going to bring it to the church and I'm going to get another shot at it. And then after I've even brought it to the church, so I've been going on this more than one time. And this message Bible says, start all over again. I've been at it. I've been really trying, trying, trying. Then if that person refuses to hear sound counsel from the body of Christ, from the church, he said, that's when you can act and understand, treat him as an unbeliever or a tax collector. Now, Treating them as an unbeliever or a tax collector really does not mean you no longer have any relationship with them. You, it means that you're, you're not responsible for continuously trying to fight to make this relationship work. But you don't, you, they're still a part of your, your world. Mm. Preach. No, they're not dead to you. And please don't even say that. They're not. They exist. They just exist now in a different relationship to you than they were as a brother or sister, in this case, in Christ. They exist, but they're no longer functioning as a believer. And let me just say this to you. The one question you have to ask yourself when you're in, in dispute with a believer is ask yourself two questions. First question is, am I a believer? If you answer that in the affirmative, the second question you ask yourself, is, is the other individual a believer? And if that believer, if you know that that's a believer over there, then you now have a responsibility to function as your best self as a believer. Preach was. This is good stuff right here. You have the responsibility to function as though they were a brother or sister who have trespassed against you, and now you're willing to work towards reconciliation. Now, I, I want to move into to something. Verse, oh, let's go to verse, uh, 
verse 21, because that starts our forgiveness issue. And, and here's where I want to add some stuff to this dialogue. So verse 21, Peter came to him, sort of all in the same vein. If you notice, the redactor put this right next to this conversation about how to straighten out a fault or a sin from another brother or sister. He throws in this issue of forgiveness right next to it, smashed into the very next pericope. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many times will my, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? Notice he says, and let it go. Woo, help me, Lord Jesus. How many times do I need to let it go? Up to seven times? Jesus answered him and said, I say to you, not up to seven, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Wow. Forgive and keep on forgiving. Forgive and keep on forgiving. You, not one, twosie, threesie, foursie, but forgive and keep on forgiving. Look here. You need to write this down. Forgiveness is an act of holy remembrance. Forgiveness is an act of holy remembrance. That's what it is. It's an act of holy remembrance. And when you get that into your spirit, you recognize that, that you are now the person that, is, that, that has to live your life in a way in which you don't forget who you are. You don't forget who you are. You don't forget that you're a child of God. You don't forget that God is in you and that you are in God. Hey, I need to recognize that what God is doing in me is that God wants to use me. I need to remember who I am and what God is doing. Get the scripture, Mark 11, verse 25. 11:25. Now this is gonna mess you up because this is what it says is, listen to me closely, your lack of forgiveness can mess up your prayer life. Preach Watts, your lack of forgiveness can mess up your prayer life. Whenever you stand praying, Mark 11, 25, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Amplified version says, drop the issue, let it go, so that your father is who is in heaven will also forgive you your sin, your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. Wow. He says, whenever you stand to pray, you need to get to the place where you drop it. You need to get it reconciled, get your head around right. Um, you know, the, the, the psychologists teach this, and this is kind of a general definition. It's not mine, it's a general definition you can find anywhere. They define forgiveness this way, as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. He says, you're going to do this regardless of whether they deserve your forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about them, it's about you. And your holy remembrance is, I know I've been forgiven, so I'm going to forgive. I know I've been forgiven, so I'm going to forgive. I know if I had did that to, to someone, and, and I, I would want someone to forgive me. I forgive. Remember, thank you, Sister Candy, your, your lack of forgiveness can mess up your prayer life. It, it, it's gonna mess it up. I can't pray right 
If I don't remember that I've been forgiven and God's already saved me, I need to get my head on straight. I haven't been good enough not to forgive. Whew. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32. Here's what it says. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that is perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander, be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence, malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. <sighs> Holy remembrance. I'm going to forgive readily and freely, just as God in Christ has forgiven me readily and freely I'm going to forgive now he says you got you know I actually believe that he's trying to tell us that we need to be tender hearted and some of us are not tender hearted anymore and, and let me tell you I, I do believe that life can make you brittle life can make you rough life can make you stiff Life can make you, 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 you different than other people because you've been wounded so many times. And what I'm suggesting is don't allow your heart to become hard where you can't hear the voice of God, you can't get the heart of God, you can't live in the spirit of God in compassion and tenderness. Some stuff you just need to let it go. Some stuff you need to drop the mic on. Just let it go. Just let it go. You, someone needs to find Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And you really, when you get it, you need to get Colossians 3, uh, verses 12 through 15. I really want you to read it in the, in the Message Bible, in the, in the Amplified Bible, Message Bible as well, but Amplified Bible. And beginning at verse 12, he calls us out. And I'm talking to my believers here tonight. Let me talk to you. Here's what he says. So as God's own chosen people, he's in your, he's in your living room right now. He's in your kitchen. He's in your bedroom. You, he's talking to you who are holy. He says, if you don't know what holiness means, set apart, sanctified for his purpose his purpose and well-beloved by God himself put on a heart of compassion Whew. pause right there breathe thank you Lord for a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper you know, I showed you a few weeks back uh, a Mr. Rogers clip. Uh, the, the man came to do a, a, a review of his life, wanted to do an article about him. And he said, you know, this guy is just too nice to be real. He's too compassionate, too tenderhearted. You can't be real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with him. I'm going to hang around him. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to look at his life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him in private. I'm going to talk to people about him, people that see him every day. I'm going to find out, is he really like this? He can't be like this. By the time the experience was over, he not only was converted to believe who Mr. Rogers wanted to be and who he portrayed himself as tenderhearted, but by the time it was over, he was ready to find a relationship with God because he realized some people can really live this thing. I want you to be one of those persons that people say, I know I'll get them to cuss me out. I know I'll get them to act the fool. 
I know I'll see them when they really show their, their, their rumpty fun. I know I'll see them when they show out their roller maker job. No, no. I want you to be the kind of person when folks see you in the grocery store, at the mall, at the gym, at the church, in the parking lot, at the, at the dance place, wherever they see you, they still meet the same compassionate, tender-hearted, caring person. You, you know that kind of person who will be like Jesus on the cross and say, I know y'all are crucifying me right now, but I'm going to pray for you. Father, forgive them. Wait a minute. I, I, you need to be like Stephen. I know they're stoning me right now, but I'm going to be like my Jesus. I'm going to look up into heaven. I'm not going to curse them. I'm not going to act like an Old Testament prophet that's crotchety and mean and send the bear down on him. No, I'm a New Testament believer and I'm going to look up and I'm going to thank God. And I'm going to be me wherever I am. I'm looking over at Dickie Medina. Dickie Medina worked in the prison system his, uh, for more than 20-some-odd years. And Brother Jose back did the same thing. And, and you could ask anybody, I don't care where you find whether it's an inmate, you meet on the street afterwards, they'll ask you if you know him, and they will have the same testimony about his kindness, his humility, his tenderheartedness, all the time. Other COs, the correction officers for COs, they'll have the same... Why? Because I'm walking steady in my faith. I'm not changing because I'm in this rough environment. I'm not changing. I'm not going to get mad and, and blow up. That's what makes Brother Robert, Robert Martin a good, a good uh, warden. I'm not losing my cool because I want to be who I am regardless of where I am. Regardless of what people say. Regardless of what people do, I'm going to keep my tenderheartedness, my compassion, my gentleness. Oh yeah, you, you committed a heinous crime and you're, going to, you're being punished for it. That's why you're in jail. But you didn't lose your humanity. You're still a human being. I'm going to treat you like a human being. You, you can do your time or you can let your time do you. I'm going to try and help you do your time so you can get out of here and make something of your life. Don't make it harder on yourself than you have to. I'm not going to try and proselytize you, but I am going to give you a better way you can live. You have to realize consistency of spirit, tenderheartedness in everything, not just in conflict, in everything is who you want to strive to be. I got to push on. I, I could get stuck right there because I feel something about that. I really do. Because I want people to become consistently what God wants you to be. Consistently walking in gentleness and patience. Here's what the Bible says. Patience which has the power to endure whatever injustice. Notice he says injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. I got the power to endure whatever injustice, whatever unpleasantness comes with the power with a good temper. I'm still going to deal with it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be hurt by it. I'm just going to have a good temper while I deal with it. Verse 13, bearing graciously with one another and willing, willingly forgiving each other. For if one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. He says, even if you got a cause, you ought to forgive. Woo! I'm teaching it here tonight. I'm praying God bringing some families back together. I'm praying God bringing members back together to love each other, to treat each other well. Let me, let me move on because I could preach all day here. Verse 14, he, sa he says, beyond all these things, put on the, and wrap yourselves in unselfish love. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, unselfish love. Give me an unselfish love which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. I, I, you got to get to the place where you want the best for other people. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be happy. I want you to be whole. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ. Here it is, says, let the peace of Christ. 
You ought to ask God, let's pause right now. You ought to ask God for God's peace. God, I want your peace to rest in me right now. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. My God, Lord, I want that inner calm as I walk daily with you. I want inner calm, inner calm as I walk daily with you. Be the controlling factor in your hearts. Let it be the controlling. God, can you imagine what would happen if a whole church were controlled by the peace of God? Can you imagine if your whole, your whole family in your household now were controlled by the peace of God? Can you imagine if the inner calm was what was walking in you and with you daily? Can you imagine what it would be like if you were deciding and settling questions that arise based on God's peace and God's mercy in you? To this peace, indeed, you were called. Wait a minute. Pause one again. Pause one more again. One more again. One more again. You were called to peace. You were called to unselfish love. You were called to peace. Indeed, you were called as a member of one body of believers. And be thankful to God always. Wow. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. Let me move on. The third thing I want to give you tonight, the, the second thing I think it is, and I got one more I want to throw in here. The second thing I want to make sure you get tonight is forgiveness is an act of a healthy recognition. Forgiveness is an act of a healthy recognition. It's an awareness and a juxtaposition of facts. I, I'm, I, let me see if I can put this to you right. I realize what has happened. I have an awareness of it. But at the same time, I hold those facts against myself and my own needs. It's an awareness and a juxtaposition of facts. Can I, um, can I bless you one moment? I want to bless you real good. You have to get to the place where you function, and this is a simple word, his word, empathy. Empathy. E-M-P-A-T-H-Y. Empathy. And that's the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Empathy. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Too often, the one thing missing from us is empathy. We don't empathize with anybody. It's either our way or the highway. It's the way I want to do it. It's the way I think. No, empathy. I need to understand and share the feelings of another. That empathy will make you care about things that are not personal to you, but they're personal to someone you love. That empathy will make you feel pain because they feel pain. That empathy will make you weep because they weep. That empathy will make you rejoice because they're rejoicing. You see, you can't really live out a devotee's life where you rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep if you don't have empathy. Because see, and your joy will be fake. See, if I shout with you that you got a new house while being envious of your new house, that's not empathy. That's, that, that could just simply be a facade, fake, phony, hypocritical. But if I rejoice that God gave you a new house, that could be that I have now realized that God is blessing in my neighborhood. 
And if God is blessing in my neighborhood, I'm up next. I got to be on the list somewhere. God bless somebody I know. I know I'm on the list somewhere. Something good going to happen to me too. He didn't just drop one blessing off. It's not like he ran out of blessings when he blessed you. Mine is on the way. My blessings on the way. My gifts on the way. Glory to... See, um, let me do it this way. Not only remember your blessings, but see yourself in the reflection of the other. See yourself in the reflection of the other person. See you. See you. See you. I want to give you, and I don't, I can't read it all, but I want to give you, before I give you the last point of this, this, uh, this idea, turn with me again to Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 35. I don't have time, so I can tell you in advance, next week I have the five steps on the path of reconciliation that I want to offer you in addition to this. Don't have time to get to that tonight and do it justice, but I got five steps on the path. I'll offer them next week. But let me give you this before I give you the last point for the night. So it's Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 35. You, most of you who have been in worship a long time, church, you know this story, but let's see if we can skip through it. Beginning of verse 23, here's, here's the lesson Jesus gives about this forgiveness stuff. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the accounting, one owed him 10,000 talents, was bought to him. But because he could not repay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees and begged him, saying, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. Let's put it in modern day vernacular. He owed a whopping sum of money that he couldn't pay. And because he begged and asked for it, the man said, okay, I'm gonna cancel your debt. You don't owe me anything anymore. Because you have asked me like you have, I cancel your debt. Your debt is forgiven. You're free. Your family's not going to be sold. You're not going to be sold into slavery. No, you, you, are, you can stay. Everything is well. The person who had been forgiven a whole bunch, that same slave, verse 28 says, he went out, found one of his fellow slaves who just owed him a hundred denarii. Now remember now, he owed 10,000 talents. This person owes him 100 denarii. Let's do it like this. He owed a million dollars, this person owed him 1,000. If we put it in that kind of vernacular, he, he's been forgiven a million dollar debt. This guy owed him $1,000 and, and, and you know, he seized him began choking him, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow slave did to him what he did to the master, fell down on his knees, begged him earnestly, have patience with me, said the exact same words, I'll repay you. But he was unwilling, went and had him thrown in prison till he could pay back the debt. Can I put a pen here? Because that is exactly how we act when we ask God for forgiveness for our sins, but we're willing to hold the sins of others against them forever. That's exactly what we do. We ask God to forgive us all the things that we've done wrong or will do wrong. But then we look at somebody else, I'm gonna hold that against you. You ain't no good, ain't never been no good. Really? text says his fellow slaves went and told on him and when they went and told on him verse 32 says the master called him back and then he called him out his name he said you contemptible slave 
I forgave you that debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you little by comparison as I had mercy on you? I got to close, y'all. I got to close. It's done. Why couldn't you treat them like I treated you? Why couldn't you have mercy? I wanted you to just be like me. I want to go back up. Here's the point I, li I, I leave you with you now. Forgiveness is an act of a heart responsiveness. Of a heart responsiveness. Yeah, that's because you respond to the fact that you've been blessed. And you respond in such a way as you want to bless somebody else. You say, hey, I've been blessed, I'm going to bless somebody else. I've been forgiven, I'm going to forgive somebody else. I have been made new, I'm going to make somebody else new. I've been given a second chance, I'm giving somebody else a second chance. I want a second chance, God give me, God has given me one. I'm giving it just like I got it. You know that text ends in verse 34 and 35 it says, and, then, and the master in his wrath turned him over to the torturers and the jailers, said put him in, put him in prison until he pays what he owes. Verse 35 says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you, every one of you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Not say it, not simply let it go, but from your heart, mean it, feel it, express it, function in it. Forgive your brother or sister. I truly believe that when you walk in the spirit of forgiveness, you're walking in the mind and mercy and ministry of God. And this is what God wants for you. I love you, saints. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of word. I know God is still speaking, and I hope God has blessed you in this word. I know God wants to do something. Yes, Mother Wiggins, you're right. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I, you got to know. I want you to walk in the mind, the mercy, and the ministry of God. Would somebody please put that in the comment section? We need to walk in the mind, the mercy, and the ministry of God. The mind, the mercy, and the ministry of God. And if we do that with the mind of God, we will have peace and we will be givers and sustainers of God's peace in the earth realm.